So in the last session we spoke about the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Today we're on the chapter regarding the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Wafatuhu sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Watuufiya wa huwa ibn thalathin wa sittin. وقيل خمس وستين وقيل ستين والأول أصح The author رحمه الله تعالى says that he صلى الله عليه وسلم died when he was 63 years old and it has been said that he was 65 years old. And it has been said that he was 60 years old. But what is most correct from these statements is that he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, was 63 years old when he died. Tufiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yawma al-ithnayni hina shtadda al-duha l-ithnatay ashrata laylatan khalat min shahri rabi'in al-awwal that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam died on a Monday at midday when the heat was at the hottest at the midday time, the Prophet ﷺ passed away on the 12th of Rabi'ul Awwal, the Islamic month of Rabi'ul Awwal. وَقِيلْ لِلَيْلَتَيْنِ خَلَتَا مِنْهُ It has been said, as another opinion, that it was on the 2nd of Rabi'ul Awwal. وَقِيلْ لِاسْتِهْلَالِ شَهْرِ رَبِعْنِ الْأَوَّلِ And it has even been said that it was on the first of Rabi'ul الْأَوَّلِ So these are some statements that have been mentioned regarding the age of the Prophet ﷺ when he died and the date or the day and the date of when the Prophet ﷺ died. In the seerah it is noted that the Prophet ﷺ, he was ill before his death. And the author mentions that here. He says, وَدُفِنَ لَيْلَةَ الْأَرْبِعَةِ وَقِيلَ لَيْلَةَ الثُّلَثَةِ it is mentioned that he was buried on Wednesday night 
and some say it was Tuesday night. Islamically, when we say Wednesday night, then that is actually in English how we understand things. In the Islamic calendar, what comes first, the day or the night? The night. So if you say Wednesday night, Wednesday night comes before the day of Wednesday. So how we understand things, Islamically, Wednesday night is what we call Tuesday night. And Tuesday night, as it's also been said, is what we would call Monday night. Because the night comes before the day. So Islamically, if somebody says, whoever dies on the night of Friday, then various narrations mention things. The night of Friday, as we understand things in our language, is what we call Thursday night. That is actually Friday night Islamically. After Maghrib on Thursday, you are now into the night of Friday. You are now into the night of Friday. وَكَانَتْ مُدَّةُ عِلَّتِهِ إِثْنَيْ عَشَرَ يَوْمًا وَقِيلْ أَرْبَعَةَ عَشَرَ يَوْمًا it is mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ was ill for 12 days leading up to his death. And it's also been mentioned that it was 14 days leading up to his death. So the Prophet ﷺ became ill about 12 days before he died. He became ill about 12 days before he died. And when his sickness was at a severe level, he would ask his wives whose night it was and would seek their permission to spend his sick days, those days of his illness, in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. So his other wives gave permission for that because Aisha radiallahu anha, she was younger and more capable of being able to look after the Prophet ﷺ. Most of the other wives of the Prophet ﷺ, it's mentioned, were older and the older person is less capable of looking after the needs of somebody who is ill. In addition to that, Aisha radiallahu anha was 18 years old Aisha radiallahu anha was 18 years old when he died so he wanted to honor her and give her a lasting memory of him by spending his last days with her. And she would not marry after his death. She was his wife in this life and will be his wife in paradise. Also the scholars, they mention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored her by allowing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to die 
whilst she was holding him in her chest, meaning that the head of the Prophet ﷺ was in, as you may say, like the lap uh, in the chest uh, on the body of Aisha radiallahu anha. That the head of the Prophet ﷺ was in the lap of Aisha radiallahu anha when the Prophet ﷺ died. She was also a witness that the Prophet ﷺ did not decide for anyone to become the Khalifa after him. Meaning the Prophet ﷺ didn't say by name, such and such is the next Khalifa now. He didn't appoint somebody by name in that way. If Aisha was not truthful, she could have just said to everybody that the Prophet ﷺ told me Abu Bakr has to be the Khalifa. Because Abu Bakr is who to Aisha radiallahu anha? A father. But she was truthful and she bore witness that the Prophet ﷺ hadn't named anyone. That he hadn't named anyone specifically to be the Khalifa. This is a refutation of the Rafid Shia who claim that the Prophet ﷺ had decided and stated that Ali radiallahu anhu is supposed to be the next Khalifa. Even though the Prophet ﷺ did not mention anybody specifically by name, there are evidences that clearly indicate from the statements and actions of the Prophet ﷺ that it was to be Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. What's one of the greatest evidences that indicate it was to be Abu Bakr next? Even though the Prophet ﷺ didn't mention and specify by name. <coughs> that when the Prophet ﷺ was ill in that final illness in those days, to the extent he couldn't even come out and lead the prayer, then who did he appoint to go and lead the prayer instead? Abu Bakr. And that is a great indicator, a huge sign that clearly Abu Bakr is the most superior from everybody else now. He's the one being told, you lead the prayer on top of everybody else. So that is a clear sign, a clear indicator that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu was to be the Khalifa. Also, there are several narrations mentioned in the Sunnah, several ahadith that are quoted from the Prophet ﷺ in those final 12 days. In those final days, in his illness, he narrated some narrations that are mentioned in the books of hadith. And in those narrations, you even see it. It says that the Prophet ﷺ said, just days before his death. In some narrations it even says, he said, just five days before his death. The scholars, they clarify and explain that it was just days before his death, some of the hadith we now have. One of those as an example is, when the Prophet ﷺ said, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ الْيَهُودَ وَالنَّصَارَ اتَّخَذُ قُبُورَ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ مَسَاجِدٍ The curse of Allah be upon the Jews and the Christians, they took the graves of their prophets as mosques. 
as places of worship, yani. They took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. This was said just days before his death. Five days before his death. Curse of Allah be upon the Jews and Christians for taking the graves of their prophets as places of worship. That was a clear indication and a warning for the Muslim ummah from taking his grave as a place of worship. The curse of Allah be upon them who took the graves as places of worship, he said, just before he died, days before he died, to highlight to the ummah, do not take my grave as a place of worship after my death. And as he was dying, it mentions in the seerah that he was in pain. There was pain at that time of death. And when he was asked about his pain, his fever, he replied, Ajal, inni u'aku kama yu'aku rajulani minkum. That I have as much fever as two of your men would have. That level. That is the level of what I have compared or equivalent to two of the men. Aisha radiallahu anha had thought that relief during the time of the death of the, or the time of death generally was an honor for the dying person. But when she saw the suffering of the Prophet ﷺ, she knew severe pains were an atonement for the dying person. And it's mentioned that Aisha radiallahu anha said, لَمَّا نَزَلَ بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ طَفِقَ يَطْرَحُ خَمِيصَةً لَهُ عَلَى وَجْهِهِ فَإِذَا غَتَمَّ بِهَا كَشَفَهَا عَنْ وَجْهِهِ فَقَالْ وَهُوَ كَذَلِكَ لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَةِ اتَّخَذُ قُبُورَ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ مَسَاجِدِ يُحَذِّرُ مَا سَنَعُوا That when the last moment of the life of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came he began putting his shirt, this cloth, onto his face. And when he felt hot and short of breath, he would take it off his face. And that, in that state of pain, putting this cloth and this garment onto his face, and then when needing to remove it, taking it off his face, that was the pain at the time of death that he was experiencing. In those moments, he said this narration that we have, the curse of Allah be upon the Jews and the Christians that they took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. And he was clearly warning the Muslims from doing anything like that. Even though now we know and we see so many Muslims across the world who take graves as places of dua and slaughtering and sacrifice and even tawaf around them. People do all of these things even though the Prophet ﷺ warned us against falling into these types of acts. People make the graves of their deceased into shrines, huge tombs and shrines on top. And we've been warned against all of that type of thing, warned against making the graves into shrines or tombs or these huge things. Rather you bury the person and you place something the size of a handspan as a marker on his grave, and that's it. Not even headstones in the loving memory of, and all these things. 
Not from the sunnah to do these headstones and everything. A small thing the size of a hand span, you put it on top as a marker for the grave and that's it. So in the final moments, the Prophet ﷺ was still warning against the severity of shirk and calling people to tawheed. Warning against shirk and calling to tawheed in the final moments. This is the affair of taking graves as places of worship. They perform tawaf around the graves, vow to them, sacrifice to them, seek help from them. And the Prophet ﷺ cursed those who take the graves of the Prophets as places of worship. Doing tawaf around the graves, that is something that definitely occurs. And the people, they even do that at the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. How? How can they do tawaf around the grave of the Prophet ﷺ? They do it. They go around the whole mosque. They walk around the whole mosque doing tawaf. Tawaf around the grave of the Prophet ﷺ by walking around the whole mosque is the only way. You have to walk outside the whole perimeter. So they walk around and you see them. And you see them doing it. Doing tawaf around the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ warned against this warned and said the curse of Allah be upon them who took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. So what about taking the graves of those who are not even prophets in the first place as places of worship? It's one thing taking the graves of the prophets who are actually prophets as places of worship and even that the prophet has told us is absolutely haram, shirk. Then what about people who go a step higher? They're taking the graves of normal people who weren't even prophets as places of worship and places of tawaf and sacrifice. So look at the importance Tawheed has that in the final moments prior to death, in that illness leading to death, and the Prophet ﷺ is still warning against shirk and calling to Tawheed. So as for the masajid that are built on top of the graves, is it the name of Allah that is mentioned there or the names of the deceased in the graves? When people build these mosques on top of graves or they bury their imams as they call them in the mosques, then that is an act which is impermissible Islamically, haram Islamically, And it is an act which indicates extremism and exaggeration to this person, this deceased individual. That they view him in such elevation, so high, they bury him in the mosque as a type of shrine for everybody to see, for everyone to see and everyone to go around and everyone to witness a shrine to that man in the mosque. Haram and impermissible and shirk. But that is what you see of the people, that is what you see of the Jama'atul Tablir and their leader who is buried in the perimeter of a mosque. So these types of things they exist upon amongst the people who are distorted and misguided and deviated from the correct understanding of Islam. 
So the Prophet ﷺ as we said died on a Monday at the point of intense heat and that was at midday. And the companions were busy trying to regroup from the loss that they did not bury him until Tuesday night. He was buried where? In the place where he died which was in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. Buried in the room of Aisha radiallahu anha because the prophets are buried where they die. The prophets are buried where they die. Her bed was raised and a grave was dug in its place. The bed was moved and a a grave was dug in that place. And the Muslims were not pleased to pray over him in congregation due to their severe love for him. The men, women and children prayed over him individually. Each one came to pray over him and bid farewell. Then he was buried in the room of Aisha radiallahu anha and his grave is known. When the Prophet ﷺ died, who is it? That washed him. Ali radiallahu anhu. He did that washing prior to the Prophet ﷺ being buried. And Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentions the only grave of a Prophet that is absolutely known is just the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. All these others, this is the grave of this prophet, this is the grave of Suleiman of Dawood, and all these things they say, it's not known for definite. The only one known for definite is the grave of the Prophet Muhammad So the author says, وَغَسَّلَهُ عَلِي بْنَ بِطَالِبْ وَعَمُّهُ الْعَبَّاسِ وَالْفَضْلِ بْنَ الْعَبَّاسِ وَقُثَمْ بْنَ الْعَبَّاسِ وَأُسَامَةِ بْنُ زَيْدِ وَشَقْرَانِ مَوْلِيَاهُ وَحَضَرَهُمْ أَوْسْ إِبْنْ خَوْلِيَ الْأَنصَارِ That he was washed by his uncles and their children. It has been a custom of the Arabs for a long time, and a custom of the Muslims of the past and the present. He was washed by his cousin and son-in-law, Ali ibn Abi Talib. His cousin and his son-in-law, Ali ibn Abi Talib. How was he the cousin of the Prophet ﷺ? He was son of Abu Talib. So Ali radiallahu anhu, his father is Abu Talib, who is the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ. So that makes them first cousins. And also his son-in-law, because Ali ibn Abi Talib married Fatima radiallahu anha. So he was the one who washed the body and he was helped. He was helped by the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, Abbas, and his son Al-Fadl ibn Al-Abbas. Uh, and Al-Fadl is the one who sat behind him in the farewell pilgrimage. In the hadith about the farewell pilgrimage, Al-Fadl ibn Al-Abbas was sitting with the Prophet ﷺ. Long hadith, it's like four pages long. The hadith of Hajj. Long hadith explaining everything about Hajj. And he mentions there Al-Fadl ibn al-Abbas. Um, 
and also from those who washed him were his cousin Qutham ibn al-Abbas, the son of Abbas also, and the Prophet Sallallahu two freed slaves, Usama ibn Zayd and his father Zayd ibn Thabit. Both father and son were from those beloved to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and also present was Shukran, the freed slave of the Prophet and Aus ibn Khawla al-Ansari. They were all present and the one who directly performed the washing with the help of everybody else, the one directly performing the washing was Ali ibn Abi Talib. There is something they mention that normally when a Muslim dies, then how do you do the washing of the body? So you obviously cover the private parts, but the rest of the body you remove, the shirt and whatever else, you remove the rest of the garments, so that you can wash the body of the person, but you keep the private area covered. With the Prophet ﷺ, the Sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, they were uneasy. They were uneasy about this. Do we remove his other garments? This is the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa Do we remove his other garments? Like we normally do with a Muslim who dies. Remove the other garments and just keep the private area covered. Is that how we're going to do it with the Prophet They were all a bit uneasy about this. And they weren't content about doing it like that. This is the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa So they weren't sure what shall we do? How shall we do it? Like we normally do it, remove all the other garments. This is the messenger of Allah. So then it's mentioned what happened. There's a hadith in Abu Dawood, narrated by Aisha radiallahu You haven't told us what happened. The question was what happened. <laughs> um, I think the clothes were kept on as far as I can remember, but the Sahaba overcome by sleep, I think. It's mentioned in a hadith that at that moment now they don't know whether they should remove the garments of the Prophet ﷺ like they normally do with the Muslims. So then they were overcome by sleep. A sleep overcame them. And then they heard the voice telling them, keep the garments of the Prophet ﷺ on. Keep those garments on. And so they washed the Prophet ﷺ with the garments remaining on. So that is mentioned regarding the washing of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then after that, وَكُفِّنَا فِي ثَلَاثَةِ أَثْوَابِ بِيضٍ صَحُولِيَّةٍ بَلْدَ بِالْيَمِنِ لَيْسَ فِيهَا قَمِيصٌ وَلَا عَمَامَةٌ. That he was shrouded in three white garments, and that is the sunnah. If you have white garments, then that's the best type of garment cloth, white, to shroud the deceased person in. Not an obligation, but if you have that white garments, then that is the best. And if you have multiple garments, two, three garments, then that is better than just one garment too. So he was shrouded in three white garments. In the hadith it mentions sahuliyah. That was a type of garment it was made in Yemen in those days. So he was wrapped in those white three garments with no shirt, Otherwise, no particular shirt like that 
wore head turban, just the three white garments. And these garments were not made of silk or any fancy material. They were simple, plain, white garments. And that is also from the sunnah, there's a hadith that mentions, do not use extravagant garments for shrouding. There is a hadith, do not use extravagant garments for shrouding. Because the hadith says, the individual, the deceased one is not in need of extravagant garments now. He is not in need of extravagant garments to be buried in the grave. So do not waste wealth on extravagant garments. The sunnah is to use average level quality. Not something bad. Average, good, decent level quality garments, materials. Garments we mean material. Cloths, materials, white to shroud the person in. And it's mentioned also that the Muslims, they prayed upon him as we mentioned one by one individually. صَلَّى عَلَيْهِ الْمُسْلِمُونَ أَثْذَاذًا لَمْ يَأُمَّهُمْ عَلَيْهِ أَحَدٍ Nobody led the janazah prayer. All of them came one by one to pay their respects and to pray upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَفُرِشَ تَحْتَهُ قَطِيفَةٌ حَمْرَا كَانَ يَتَغَطَّى بِهَا And it's mentioned that under, under him, beneath him, was placed this red velvet cloak that he used to wear. This red velvet cloak that he used to wear. وَدَخَلَ قَبْرَهُ الْعَبَّاسِ وَعَلِي وَالْفَضْلِ وَقُثَمْ وَشُقْرَانِ وَأُطْبِقَ عَلَيْهِ تِسْعُ لَبِنَاتِ And the names mentioned here, Al-Abbas, Ali, Al-Fadl, Qutham, Shukran, the names that we mentioned earlier, they are the ones who entered into his grave, they entered into the grave to lower the body of the Prophet Wasallam. And they placed nine blocks around him. Nine bricks, as we say now, blocks uh, around him. And he was buried where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took his soul around his bed. Dufina fil maudi'illadhi tawaffahu Allahu fihi hawla firashih. That he was uh, buried in that place where his soul was taken. Uh, and it's mentioned actually that they differed or they were discussing that issue too. The Sahaba, they discussed that issue too. There is a hadith in a tirmidhi where Aisha radiallahu anha said, لَمَّا قُبِضَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ اِخْتَلَفُوا فِي دَفْنِهِ When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam died, they differed over his burial. They differed over his burial. فَقَالَ أَبُو بَكَرْ سَمِعْتُ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم شيئاً ما نسيته. Abu Bakr said, I heard when they were discussing about where to bury the Prophet He said, I heard something from the Prophet 
that I have not forgotten. I heard from the Prophet ﷺ something I have not forgotten. مَا قَبَضَ اللَّهُ نَبِيًّا إِلَّا فِي الْمَوْضِعِ الَّذِي يُحِبَّ نُدْفَنَا فِيهِ That Allah has not taken the soul of a Prophet except at the place where Allah loves for that Prophet to be buried. That Allah has not taken the soul of a Prophet except at the place where Allah loves for that Prophet to be buried. So therefore bury him in the place of that bed. And that's why we mentioned they then moved the bed and made the grave right there. They moved the bed and made the grave right there. So that is mentioned uh, regarding this particular narration uh, about them discussing where to bury the Prophet and then Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu mentioning to them this narration that Allah takes the soul of the prophets at the place where they are to be buried, at the place where Allah loves that they be buried. And that's why they then moved the bed and uh, dug the grave at that particular place. Later on, as we know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored Abu Bakr and honored Umar radiallahu anhuma how that they Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma were also buried next to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when they died in that same room next to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that is something you can see when you go to Medina and you go to the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then next to that you see the grave of Abu Bakr and next to that the grave of Umar radiallahu anhuma and so you give salam upon the Prophet sallallahu and you give salam upon his two companions as Ibn Abi Dawood said wazirahu they were his two ministers from old his two ministers from a long time during the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu and Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu. So Allah was pleased with them in this life and in the barzakh and both of them shall be his companions in paradise. Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma will be his companions in paradise and this is a proof of the virtues of Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma a proof of the virtues of Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma that they were both buried alongside the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so that is in brief, the chapter discussing the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It mentions that there are some opinions about how old he was when he died. How come there are opinions about how old he was when he died? In particular, what 
Because when the Prophet was born is differed over. When the Prophet ﷺ was born is differed over. And that's why you'll have the difference of how old he was when he died, depending on when he was born. So you have some saying 63, you have some saying 60, you have some saying 65. But the most authentic opinion in that, the most authentic statement as we said, is that the Prophet ﷺ was... 63 when he died then in terms of the day that he died again you have 12th Rabi'ul Awwal you have the second of Rabi'ul Awwal you have the first of Rabi'ul Awwal these are uh, dates that are mentioned also regarding the death of the Prophet also it's mentioned that before he died he fell into an illness he fell into the illness, the final illness before death. And this final illness before death lasted 12 days, some say 14 days, a couple of weeks, give or take, prior to the death of the Prophet ﷺ. And on some of those days, it was severe. Severe, as it mentioned in the hadith, the fever of equivalent of two men. And he couldn't go out and lead the prayer. So he appointed Abu Bakr. And there is a hadith about that. There is a hadith about that. Where Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, But Abu Bakr, her father, is a rajulun asif. That is a man with that emotion that if he leads the prayer and recites, he's overcome by crying and weeping. There's a narration about it. and But anyway, we know that Abu Bakr was appointed to lead the prayer. And there's even one narration when Abu Bakr was leading the prayer, but the Prophet ﷺ then, in the middle of the prayer during it, actually felt better, well enough to come out. So he came out. And when he came out, then Abu Bakr stepped back and the Prophet ﷺ continued the prayer. So these narrations exist regarding some of the events at the time of that final illness of the Prophet ﷺ. And he died in the lap of Aisha radiallahu anha. And that is from the virtues of Aisha radiallahu anha. And we know that she was young at the time, only 18 years old. And this is what we were mentioning before, the virtues of Khadija and the virtues of Aisha. The virtues of Khadija radiallahu anha at the beginning of Islam, aiding and supporting the Prophet sallallahu at the beginning. The virtues of Aisha radiallahu anha at the end of Islam, or at the end of the revelation and the life of the Prophet And the fact that she was young, the scholars they say, this is from the wisdom of Allah that it was decreed in this way, her being young meant she memorized a huge amount of the Sunnah from the Prophet ﷺ. She was considered as a scholar. Scholar. Even some of the men companions used to go to her for fatwa. That's mentioned in the biographies. Even some of the men used to go to Aisha radiallahu anha asking her fatwa. She was a scholar. One of the narrators of hadith. There's only a few narrators who narrated more than a thousand hadith, and she is one of them. There's only a handful of narrators who narrated so many, over a thousand hadith. 
And she, radiallahu anha, is one of them. So, that is the chapter briefly summarizing the death of the Prophet And we mentioned that statement of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah also, that from all of the graves of the Prophets, only the grave of the Prophet ﷺ is known. All these other stories that in such and such a country is the grave of Dawood and the grave of Sulaiman and the grave of Musa and the grave of this and the grave of that, then those cannot be verified, they cannot be established. The grave of the Prophet ﷺ is known. In the final days, the Prophet ﷺ was making dua that his grave not be taken as a place of worship. There was this narration where he mentioned about the curse of Allah being upon those who take the graves as places of worship. There are other hadith too. In one narration the Prophet said, لا تتخذوا قبر عيدا Don't take my grave as a place of regular visitation. Persistent visitation. Uh, scheduled visitation. Meaning don't take it as a place that ends up becoming a place of worship. And the scholars they say this dua of the Prophet ﷺ was answered. Because right now, it is not permissible for anybody to try and worship. They have to do these secrets and everything, going around the whole mosque as doing tawaf. Nobody can come there and prostrate and sacrifice and do any shirk at the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. The other three sides blocked off by walls to the ceiling. You can't see a thing, you don't know what's going on where. Only one side is visible, and there there is security all the time. Nobody can do any shirk, slaughtering, prostrating, nothing. So they say the dua of the Prophet ﷺ was answered, that his grave has not been able to be taken by the people as a place of worship there. They cannot do that. So that is what we'll run off on today. Next week, we'll start the chapter regarding the family of the Prophet ﷺ, the wives and the children of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, his wives and the order that he married his wives in, his children. Uh, and then after that, the chapter afterwards is regarding the Hajj and the Umrah that the Prophet ﷺ did. Hajj, the Prophet only did it once, known as the Farewell Hajj. So, those are the chapters we'll move on to from next time, inshallah. Next week at the normal time. In fact, next week clocks are changing, huh? So, what's going to happen? What time is uh, Maghrib? is going to be 7.30. So, straight after Maghrib, it's going to have to be. Or oh, Maghrib is going to be even later. What, 7.45 or something? 7.45, so... Slightly be difficult for a few weeks, then or uh, if you do it after Maghrib, it's going to be almost eight o'clock. Then it's possible. Mm. Everybody's on the the update WhatsApp thing or whatever the group is. Inshallah, this week we'll work it out. We'll find out exactly what time Maghrib is going to be. Everything, Inshallah, times of the prayers and the clocks change. We'll work it out this week and we'll update it on the Twitter, on the WhatsApp group, whatever else, so everybody knows. InshaAllah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.